maybe see. Now, children are going out to Children's Church now, if you didn't quite notice that going on too. Today is to be in a camp meeting, and during this month, I'm going to uh, give another one of those trail series things, and some of you put up with that, and some of you are glad when I'm done with it, but it's all right. I'll tell you some stories along the way, and uh, I call it a walk with God, and also always some themes that have come to me through that experience. This past uh, two weeks ago, I was walking in the uh, mountains in Vermont, beautiful state, uh, had never been that far north in my life at any time, so uh, I would like to tell you it was nice and cool, but the first two days it was 94 degrees, and I didn't like summer in the mountains at that point, but it got better. It got better and was a delightful experience and had a friend that went with me this time as well, so I'll get to that as we go. I use this setting because I believe, first of all, that God is as present here as he ever would be in the mountains. I would never want to say to you, you've got to go there to really meet him. No, you, you can meet God anywhere. And you need to sense that. Uh, it is awareness of how to know him and uh, how to pay attention. Maybe that's part of the experience has been for me, and I hope it will help you in some ways. But today we're going to talk about God and how we come to know him and experience him. And the story we read, Jonathan shared with you in the scripture, is part of a much larger story involving the prophet Elijah. Elijah is the guy who uh, God called to go up to Mount Carmel and challenge all the prophets of Baal to a duel, if you would, between two altars. And the prophets of Baal took their turn first, trying to call Baal to consume the offering on the altar. And of course, nothing happened, except for Elijah taunted them a lot in the story. Then it became Elijah's turn, and he prayed to God, and without the second prayer having to happen, God sent down a bolt and consumed not only the offering, but the altar, and lapped up the water and everything, and it was a tremendous moment. I mean, adrenaline flowing, heart pumping, hair on the top of your head moment. You'd think things would never get any better than that, right? That has got to be good. If you ever want to experience God, it's one of those moments that you'd say, man, I want to see one of those. In fact, I wish every time we went to church, it was one of those kind of moments. But I want to remind you that those are rare in the Scripture, and I don't think our lives are built to handle those on an everyday basis. We really aren't meant to, to be shaped that way, but God is as present outside of those kind of moments as He ever is in them. And so... We pick the moments that follow that story. For in that high period of Elijah's life, when he has done his God command, he has shared in the killing of all the prophets of Baal and the revival of worshiping Yahweh is about to happen in that land. Jezebel. Remember that name? Jezebel is the wife of King Ahab. She is not Israelite in her descent. She brought the cop, the uh, God of Baal in with her in that worship, and she sends a message that gets to Elijah saying, Before tomorrow, you're a dead man. I'm sending out after you. And what does Elijah do? After all, in a moment, remember, standing there on Mount Carmel, down comes the fire of God, consumes all the offering. He is the great man of God. He gets the message. 
and he runs and hides. Wow. From up there to down here. In those moments, you and I may say, never been up there before, and I know what that's like. I found those times when I wondered, was there a believer anywhere around me? Elijah didn't think so. I'm the only one left, Lord. Take me now. Man, does he feel sorry for himself. And yet, God is more kind than Elijah might ever imagine. Well, instead of chastising him in the moment, he teaches him something very good. Elijah is a, is a great man, is a prophet, considered to be the, the, one of the greatest prophets. And yet, that man too had to understand God out of, outside of that adrenaline-flowing, heart-pumping moment. He had to know that God was just as real. And you and I can know Him as well. When I walk on the trail, each time I do it, I'm always there through a Sunday. And Sundays are a hard day for me. In part because I'm so accustomed to being here. And when it comes that day, I, I, even though I'm away, I want to be here too. And my practice is, is, it's the one day I'm out there that I keep a watch on time. And when you're worshiping, I'm looking at my clock. I'm walking and I'm thinking, what are they doing now? Ah, they're, they're singing a hymn now. And I, I think about you singing. I don't know what the hymn is. I haven't asked that. And I, I think about the prayers, the children. I think about when Jonathan is up preaching and I pray for him as you're listening to that moment. And I am in spirit with you, even though I'm a long ways away. Repeat the same thing at 11. Just thinking about 9 and 11 as you're going through those experiences. Now this particular day, though, when I'm out on the trail, I... Uh, I told you I went with somebody, or somebody went with me, Charlie is his name, and Charlie was 23 years old, and I'm 59 years old, and that generally is not a good match. Not when you're out walking on a trail. Because after about two days, we realized that we didn't walk at the same pace. And he got tired of walking at mine, okay? So we, you know what I meant? I mean, I'm slower. And so we, we kind of struck a bargain from then on. I said, you know, Charlie, you don't really like to get out as early as I do, and, and I'm never going to walk as fast as you can, so I'll just leave earlier than you. So I would leave camp anywhere from an hour to two hours ahead of him. Wasn't hard, you know. I didn't mind, and he'd talk to everybody in camp and eventually leave sometime in the middle of the morning. And that particular day, there was a two-mile climb up, fairly steep, and I said, Charlie, I, I'll wait on you at the top if you had not caught me by then. And I began to walk up, and at 10 o'clock, I had reached the top. Remember what I'm doing from 9 to 10? I'm kind of rehearsing this service as it's going on. And I came to a vista, it's a rock that you can see out everywhere. And, and there was a guy sitting there, an old geezer. He was just sitting down on a rock, kind of resting a while. He had his stuff spread out like he was, you know, eating a little lunch and taking his time. And, and I was wearied by the climb up, so I stopped and joined him. And we sit there and do the trail talk a little bit, you know. Uh, and this time of the summer when the... The streams aren't flowing as well. You always ask, was there water recently? Because he's coming north, I'm going south. And tells him about where I'll find water. That's good. We kind of pass the time. Yeah, it's a beautiful scenery. And, and after a couple of minutes of sitting, I said, you know, I kind of miss church this morning because I'm a preacher. He said to me, well, I am too. I said, oh, really? All right. So our conversation, which at that point only been the little niceties, you know, turned to uh, our experience. And we said, I, I was going to take a picture and call it Two Preachers Skipping Church. Uh, I, I thought about doing that, I, I, but I didn't. I got a picture of him. And his name is Joel, not Osteen. I didn't know his last name, but it's not Osteen, okay? Uh, Joel was his name. 
And Joel and I got to talking. He was a congregational pastor, had been all of his life as well, over 30 years. And, and I shared about your, you as a church and where I was serving. And we just had the best old time. We talked for about 40 minutes together and about our faith together, about our families together, and about God really used this time for renewal for us. And we just had church. I want you to know that. It was a wonderful moment. For me, and then Charlie showed up, and, and we talked a while and took his break a little bit, and we had a prayer together, and we were on our way. And I'll tell you, that was, for me, ever been a moment that God was there for me. Uh, finding Joel, we had, you know, he was my age, by the way. That old geezer was my age. And we, uh, we enjoyed that time and found God there, but no more than I can find him here. But a different way. And I tell you, other times in this uh, journey, those uh, 150 miles through that state, there were occasions when this, the beauty of scenery would catch me. I, one day I walked into a, 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 a fireman's tower. Uh, it was one of the last few days, and uh, the woods were around us. Uh, there was the tower. There was a sign saying, you can go up there no more than four at a time. And there was no one with me at that point. Charlie hadn't caught me yet for that day. And uh, I started to stop, took off a pack, got my camera out, and went up. And, uh, and what I remember is as you were walking up, first time I'm down in the woods, you know, and there's uh, some beautiful woods around me, nice uh, evergreen here. But as you clear the top of those trees, and this sticks out probably 10, 12 feet above the top of the trees, then the other view comes in, the space, in, in front of you, and I can see for 360 degrees around me, probably 15 miles in every direction. And it was breathtaking. I took every picture angle I probably could of it. I looked at them later and said, no, that just didn't capture it. Don't you know? It didn't have the heart that I felt that moment. I felt that moment, not just saw it. I felt God's handiwork all around me. And as small as I was in the middle of all that was around me, I knew His hand was as present there. And it was a wonderful moment. See, we get captured sometimes in those aha moments, and then we may miss the moment that Elijah is having. For there Elijah is now in hiding. He hears God's, his, God hears his complaint, and, and God listens to what he has to say. God doesn't chastise him in that moment. What God does is he, he feeds him a meal because he sends him on a journey, a hike if you would. I like it because he said that night God fed him several times, the ravens, whatever, brought food to him, and on the strength of that food, he could travel for 40 days. Don't you know that I had to resupply my pack two times to walk 12 days? And I had to carry all that weight. He didn't have to carry a thing. God just gave him the food right there, and he took off, heading to Mount Horeb. It's also called Mount Sinai. Maybe you know the Bible story enough to, that that's the same mountain where uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments twice. It was for the Israelites a fundamental foundation moment in their life. And God just sent him, said, you go. And without any other uh, interruptions we know of, any other story to be told, he travels for those 40 days. Maybe 
careful to avoid the crowds, watching over his shoulder for the men that uh, Jezebel has sent to catch him. And maybe that's why it takes so long to make the journey, but eventually he arrives. And there he is now, settled into a cave, wondering what is next, still very much in hiding. A low moment, maybe? Low moments can get pretty low, especially after highs have seemed so high. And that's where Elijah was. I suspect all of us can identify with both of those. The times when God has moved so clearly in your life, you just thrilled and want another one just like it. And then the times when you've gotten difficult news, struggles that you didn't want, wanted to go away, and you wondered why God ever let them happen in your life. And somewhere in the middle of that, He's simply asking you to watch a little. To see that He is as much in your life now as He ever has been in the past. And so there Elijah is on the mountain. He's faced the conflict. He has been victorious. He's now afraid. But he's obedient. Then there comes the kind of wonder in nature you think might signify God's presence. First, the great wind coming. I saw winds on the mountains. They said, uh, someone told me it just came through the White Mountains of New Hampshire that in the middle of summer there in July, they were up there. The winds were at 50 plus miles an hour. The temperature was 29 degrees. That was in mid-July. I'm thankful I wasn't on top of that mountain then, aren't you? But in the middle of those winds, the fury of it, there was no sense that God was present. Then came the earthquake, and I've never really been in one of those. This one was, it would have shaken the ground well, and surely that may have signified God was there, but no. That violent act, that which would gather everyone's attention, every part of creation would know what was happening. He didn't see God in it. There's something as destructive as fire that might rage again, no. But in that still, quiet moment. You ever had one of those moments when it was so quiet around you that your ears were trying to hear a sound and you felt that perfect silence around you? And your ears just kind of fold in, hunting. You're hunting for a sound to hear and there is no sound. Maybe that's what he hears. That very moment, he knew that God was there. When you come forward to the altar in a few minutes, there's not going to be a lot of great sounds being heard. The music will be playing. Hopefully in that moment, you're going to know, sense God's presence around you and know He is there for you. It's a wonderful opportunity, a great thing to experience. But there's a question, a question in the story, a question that you bring also. Elijah, why are you here? Now, Elijah could say, well, Lord, you sent me here. Why do you think I'm here? No, 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 Elijah. But why are you here? Well, Lord, I was fleeing from Jezebel. It's the least likely place you come looking. No, no, Elijah. No. Why are you here? Well, I suppose, Lord, because you wanted me here. Okay, Elijah, you're getting some of it now. Well, Elijah, why are you here? 
digging at what's inside of him to answer that question. What yearning is there in you, Elijah? What deep need is there in you that you've, found, you've not found satisfied anywhere else? For well, that's why you're here. And God will give him other things to do. He'll give you and me other things to do after those moments. But for now, it's to know he's here. And there's nothing that can fill your heart better than him. No matter the fears, the uncertainties, the lowness of a moment, or the heights you may reach, there's nothing better. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we each come with our hearts readied in different ways, perhaps anticipating one of those great high moments visible to everyone, or yet maybe one of those moments that is quiet, but in that moment there is the fullness of your presence, and we could not ask for more. We ask for that as we come to this altar. We want it more than all other things. Open us to your presence, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.